Hey there, welcome to the Creative Metaverse Podcast. My name is Ryan Kingsline, and I'm the founder of Vertex School, where we train creatives for the career of their lives. In this podcast, we interview amazing artists and creatives working in film, games, and building the metaverse right now. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. All right. So uh, awesome to meet you. Likewise, man. I've been a fan of your work for a long time. Oh, me I've too. I've been watching I've... your videos on ZBrush. It's <laughs> yeah. Well, it's uh, all my colleagues like oh, they were talking about you. Obviously, I worked with a lot of ZBrush guys. They were always bringing up your name. Oh, you should check it out. Like his tutorials and his stuff. I was like, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well. You know, I, uh, man, I have been like, I've been watching your stuff. I think it was when Learn Squared launched. That's when I started, yeah. I, I learned your name. And then, I, you know, I've been sitting there and I've been looking at this stuff since then. And then to, what is it? Just was it today on your Twitter? There's that uh, digital clay dude in Octane. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh my God, man. I mean, I kind of thought what we would do in this session is just like sit and look at your Twitter feed. <laughs> and just like have you talk about that because there's like the range of stuff you do is insane i mean there's Thank plugins you. right there's uh, a studio oh yep. Uh, yep there's concept there's sculpting yep <laughs> and yeah so why don't we start like you know you tell it tell me tell me what you actually do because at this point now it's like yeah. you know you're the renaissance man of renaissance <laughs> men at this point yeah well uh, on the professionals side i work as a concept artist at lucasfilm so we've we're doing some star wars obviously stuff yeah uh yeah so that's been kind of my primary focus since i went freelancing a, a few years ago but obviously i always had passion to towards different things especially like i i I'm a self-taught artist, so my kind of background comes from engineering. That's why I think that I have this side of my brain which tries to find new things or try out new things and try to justify what I'm doing at the moment and stuff like that. So doing that, I discovered a lot of things for myself, and then people found that interesting as well. So I started teaching and sharing it like on Gumroad and doing all that stuff. Uh, yeah, so, and I still, I'm still looking for something new, you know, researching a lot of things and trying out different stuff. Uh, yeah, apart from that, I have a company, Big Medium Small, we, we create assets. So we basically have a really good team of uh, fellow artists who work with me, which is kind of generating content for 3D artists and illustrators and concept artists, basically. Yeah, I've bought a couple of uh, asset packs there. Awesome. And, Thanks uh, for the support. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if anybody hasn't seen it, you know, big, medium, small studio, I think. Yes. You can Google that. Yeah. Because there's also like a plate challenge. So don't yeah. go to the plate challenge videos. Go to the big, medium, small studio. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the promotion. Yeah. Um, but the, you know, it's high quality uh, packs, right? Like those yeah. faces, really well mm -hmm. done mm -hmm. clothing. I mean, you got that Western set that's in there. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so isn't that like a lot to manage all that stuff concept and then you're managing people to mm. do the studio? Yeah. Well, I guess it's all passion projects, you know, like mm. for example, the reason like 
we make them look good because it takes so much time. You know, it's probably not a great business model in the short run, but I think, I believe we're just chasing a quality products because we love making them. So in mm. long term, I think it, in a way it should pay out. But yeah, we just like it's, and we started this. I started with, with, with a friend of mine, Oleg, because it was just me and him. Then the two other guys joined us and now we have freelancers working with us. It's always been, has been for us like a passion thing, something we would love to do in our spare time and something we would love to push as much as we can. You know, usually working on client work, you don't have that luxury to to push it as much as you want because there's always like, okay, we got to cut off here. We need to present it. But with the, with your own products, you can just, push as much as you want and also doing that we learn a lot you know like we we didn't know a lot of things and as we go we're trying to find new things and it's just exciting you know otherwise like without passion i don't think like even money would wouldn't reward you enough you know because passion is something if you like it it just it's not going anywhere especially if you like multi kind of you have multi directions which i'm trying to do uh mm -hmm. it would be very difficult to do that without the passion Mm. Are you guys working from home now or are you back in the office? Oh, working from home. I I, th I think like I left ILM four years ago, hoping that I would just chill out and do nothing. And then I got offer from Lucasfilm. I couldn't say no, it's like a dream team there working. So I yeah. started working with Dan and I was freelancing before the pandemic as well. So it's been like four plus years. I, I'm just working from home. Mm. Any plans to be moving into the office or are you just... Uh... You know. Well, not now. However, I, I do miss artists, you know, like all the artist gossips we would do every morning, <laughs> like go on art, say, hey, have you seen this guy? Like he's mind blowing and blah, 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 and all that stuff. Yeah. It's just apart from all this gossip, it's just a joke, but uh, yeah. it's just working with artists has a good aura. You know, you just get surrounded by this amazing artist and you just get so much m m motivation and stuff like that. Yeah. However, obviously, office work also has downsides. You don't have full control over your life, even though I'm saying that, like, I feel in freelance, you don't have it either because it's just a lot of work and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But you're home at least. Yeah. At least you can, you, you're down there. Yeah. I've been working from home for a while too. And, you know, it's just the ability to like take a break, pick up the kids, come back. You know, that's like everything to me. Yeah. No, I, li I like both of them. Uh, if there would be a chance to work in the studio, but obviously with pandemic, you never know. Like, I don't know when they opening up or they will open up at all, at all you know. Now it's, mm -hmm. all, it's all been done remotely. Well, let's look at your Twitter stream. And uh, <laughs> I, I, man, I have got some things I need help unpacking. So <laughs> the first thing, I'm going to drop all the way up uh, to the top is like, holy hell. Yeah. Tell me about this, you know, because I'm sitting here and like, this is traditional. So I don't know if this is kind of like traditional and then the strokes are added afterwards, if it's part of the yeah. process yeah. Um, or how you construct stuff like this. But I'd love it if you'd kind of unpack a little bit of, of this. And, and in yeah. fact, I mean, it's actually your videos that made yeah. me spend a couple hundred bucks on cinema 40 and octane. So, <laughs> so you owe me a little explanation. <laughs> <laughs> It'll pay off in the end. Well, listen, I, I think like part of the reason why I, I do like this certain things, I don't know how to do it. Like I'm basically everything I learned, it's just me like trying to understand how things work. And when it came, like sculpting is something that I adored for most of my life. I obviously did some, I, I was born in Soviet Union. Obviously we didn't have any fancy concept art sculpting schools over there mm -hmm. it was just clay and i would just do something and then 
but then I started doing concept art and I, I've been doing some like really rough models for my paint overs, but it would, as I mentioned, like when you're working on something, you don't have time to fully like kind of finish it, especially if you're not like specialized in 3D sculpting. Yeah. And I was like, damn, I want to learn this one day. So <laughs> I started learning and because I had no background and I, I literally like, I was looking at stuff here and there, but for some reason, you know, like we probably will come to this point at, anyway, like ZBrush didn't click for me because it, mm. it has a weird way of like, you're just working with surface, but I'm, I had VR experience before and I draw and paint. I, I kind of wanted like almost like to draw with clay and obviously mm. in ZBrush being a surface modeling, which is obviously fantastic for what it is. It was quite limiting for me. So it never, never clicked actually for me. I've been trying ZBrush on and off for 10 years, but then I've been using 3D code, which has voxel uh, technology basically, which means like it's a proper three-dimensional sort of piece of clay you're dealing yeah. with. And that's what allows you to do certain things like this. You know, instead of brushing the surface, you're actually cutting the surface. Like there are some tools that allow you to actually like give those planar kind of cuts yeah. and they can go all through the geometry. They like, for example, in ZBrush, you have flat and then you have tree. Yes. I don't remember exact names, but you basically can cut, you can flatten surfaces. However, you cannot like go and cut through the the the, the chunk of sort of clay Very and that's true. what uh, and that's i felt like and again it's interesting like a lot of people like yourself were interested in asking me well and then i would recommend them trying out 3d code and unfortunately the first question they would come to me oh where is them standard like i was like dude this is a different <laughs> program why do you need them standard right <laughs> and you, you have them standard by the way there's a tool which called pinch which acts similar yeah. to, to to zebra's them standard but it's a different kind of workflow. And I guess that's, and you know, like, again, I don't want to get me wrong, but a lot of times when you're trying to achieve this looking in ZBrush, you're almost like gimmicking it, like using brushes mm. and stuff like that. Here it comes out naturally because you're actually cutting the surface with clay, with, with, with tools they have, you know? Yeah, I totally um, get that. So instead of like achieving the clay look, which eventually I like, it's also was a conscientious on my end because most of the time I, I just modeled to be as, like on, as a designer, you know, I don't need my models to look fully realized and like mm -hmm. look amazing. Obviously all that stuff, you can kill it in ZBrush. Absolutely. But I was always kind of, I wanted something to look like a sketch, you know, and even like the clay shaders that I started. It's interesting that first I discovered these clay shaders. I made them myself and I, because I, my, my models was looking so boring. So I was right. like, maybe I should use clay shaders to mask it, mask it out. Uh, but then eventually like I swapped to full on like sculpting and just adding clay shader just to make sure it reinforces that clay look. Mm. So, yeah, that's interesting. And the clay shaders, you actually scanned those yes. in, I think, right? So yeah. you actually yeah. you got a block laid yeah. out some what was yeah. it, Chavant or Green Roma? Yeah. What were you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And were you working with different hardnesses, or was it just like soft and yeah, and soft? Different? You you can use soft, you can use hard, and then uh, okay, yeah. And then you just made them tileable, like I, yes. I yeah. assume. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that was pretty amazing, but that's actually really fascinating because I here, like I was just doing this in a, in a class today. Yeah. Um, and so that, what you said got me thinking, because this is the idea of being able to cut through and the idea of um, like, for example, right here, I'll just draw it real quick. 
um, where this kind of comes in and then this pulls out mm -hmm. and how this is um, offset from, yeah. you know, yeah. the rest of it. Yeah. That's hard to do in ZBrush. Yeah. And I, I didn't think about it until you just said that, but it is gimmicky. Like I have to come in and then I have to go back in and then yeah. I have to kind of fake that I did that yeah. Yeah. and deal yeah. with that nonsense. Yeah. So basically in 3D code, you like there's different type of brushes, but some of them you actually have a clay chunk which you extrude and it doesn't need under like underlying surface. You know, in ZBrush, unless it's a subtool, a separate tool, uh -huh. or a curve, you can make a new geometry. In 3D code, you can actually pick a brush and draw in space without underlying geometry. And that's why you you're not sort of uh, limited by the surface that you have underneath. It's mm. a very different approach. Like, you know, one of the things first, like I, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm good at ZBrush, but I, I of course use it occasionally for high, high poly stuff. And yeah. one of the things I've really missed was uh, like, uh, uh, the, it's really nicely done in ZBrush the way you select stuff, you know, you just, I don't know, was it alt or control, just muscle memory. And you yeah. can like select and then you can brush select, you can lasso select. And I was frustrated that I don't have, you have it in 3D code, but it's just differently mapped. It's like an, an extra tool that you have to activate. But then at some point I realized I actually don't need it because like if, let's say like, you know, the common way to do ears, you know, it's either you create a new sub tool and then you bum, 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 smudge it and sculpt it up. Or you make a selection and you extrude it, right? Invert the selection and then you extrude it. In 3D code, yeah. there is this brush, which is called 2D paint. It's just basically planar sort of, it shows you the plane where you're painting and then you can yeah. choose whatever brush you want and you can just draw. And so to do ears, you just go and just and draw the ears. So you don't need to kind of extrude and uh, offset stuff. It's huh. very, it's very, very interesting. Okay. I think I get it. So like, yeah, if I was going to do ears, then this yeah. is exactly what I do. I just get yes. my measurements and yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh God, working too fast. Uh, and then pull that out. Yeah. And then you got to sculpt and you got to deal with that topology. Yeah. And then there is another method that's similar to what you're talking about. But, you know, even though like, you know, uh, this, this program is still in my DNA just from my years on yeah. it, but um, a curve quad fill. Oh, now I have subdivision levels. So is it something like that or not like that? Uh, the principle is the same, but in 3D code, you have a way more advanced version of it because you can literally yeah. pick your Photoshop brush and paint with it, basically. Like, let's say you can pick up any alpha and paint with it, basically. So you don't need lasso tools only. Okay. Yeah, again, you know, when it, like, obviously I had people coming and asking why would I prefer, like, that's probably the most common sure. question. Why do I yeah. prefer? It's not that it per like preference in terms of which program is better you know every program is made by really smart people like i people behind zbrush are geniuses right but also people behind 3d code are freaking genius i met the person uh the guy in, in person he's there from ukraine the guy is just genius you know like he single-handedly wrote this program so whenever i'm picking up something i would love to see what strengths that program has you know that's why like if you would go to 3D code, you wouldn't ask them standard, even though there is one, right? right. You just would love to explore what, what makes this program amazing. You know, like for example, ZBrush is 
has fantastic set of tools for high polish stuff and obviously surface sculpting is pretty amazing but uh obviously 3d code is fantastic with voxels you know and it's just a different way of doing things and in a way it works for me perfectly because the stuff i do is more design oriented so Mm. as long as i get the shapes right and the idea right i don't need to that makes a lot of sense and and i probably will pick up 3d code after this because that's that is one of those like i've had that moment where it's like i'm kind of faking this Mm -hmm. and i have just wanted to add clay and um i remember back in development you know um ofer was working and you know most of this is just that one dude's brain like ofer is just you know he's just Mm -hmm. amazing like that Mm -hmm. but i remember he came in he came in with this clay brush where's the clay brush and um and it was like, hey, you know, you can go in and do this. And uh, and I was like, um, okay, cool. Um, but, you know, ILM wants a better flatten brush. So when am I going to tell them that we're going to get the flatten brush? They said, you you know, you broke the flatten brush. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have the same behavior, right? And so mm-hmm. I didn't see it. And, you know, Ofer had this one unique thing, which I've tried to do in my life after as well. It's like, he just ignored me. Like... 100% just ignore me. Right. And I was yeah. like, I don't understand. I repeated to him. I don't understand the clay brush. Like we have to build the flatten brush. ILM is on me. Like Andrew's on me. You know, these guys yeah. are on me. Like we got to fix this kind of stuff. And he was like, yeah, yeah. Didn't even sink in. Like he just did his mm-hmm. own thing. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I didn't know what the flatten brush was. And now it's like the only brush or no, the clay brush. I didn't know what it was capable of. And now it's like the only brush we use, you know, mm. it's like, it's just such a cool, powerful tool, but you're right. Yeah. It's on the surface. Yeah. So that's pretty fascinating, you know, but along those lines too, it's like, you know, I started to see these things creep into blender, right? Yeah. So like, and blenders using the exact words. So I got like some mixed emotions about yeah. that a little bit, you know, like for yeah. example, in blender, they call it matcap. Yeah. And I was in the meeting where that word was actually phrased. And, um, and I remember we were there and Ofer's like, uh, we have this material capture thing. So it's called material capture. And it was all this stuff. Like it's a, it's a, it's a brilliant idea. I love it. The execution on it is like, you know, way crazy, you know, to, to actually do this. And uh, so we're all in there and we're like, and he's like, okay, what are we going to call it? What are we going to call it? And Matthew Yetter, who runs the support, and I think still runs the support. He's the guy that said, you know, Metcap came uh-huh. up with it. Yeah. And I'm like, man, Pixelogic owns that name, like blender. I love you. Find <laughs> your own freaking names. Like what's going on yeah. here? Yeah. You know, and then the clay brush, everybody takes the clay brush. Yeah. Well, I don't know, but you know, 3d coat, it has its own stuff. It, it does. It does indeed. And I actually, you know, like early on in my career and just dealing with programmers and software developers, uh, just like you mentioned, you just need to leave them. And because like a lot of times artists, we wanted to be a, our way. I, I often prefer just to exp, exp, uh, explain the, the principle I want and let them do this because they know how the code works and stuff like that. Like for example, yeah, I wish I, I could show you stuff in 3D code. It's just like, because it's a voxel uh, surface, basically, which means like every sort of pixel voxel inside goes all the way. Like, let's say you have a sphere. It's not just a surface. It's full sphere with everything inside, you know, all the, all the kind of information in there. Mm-hmm. There is this tool, like, there used to be this tool box hide, which basically like you can hide an object and you can unhide it just like ZBrush. But instead of doing that on surface base, it hides, like let's say you make a cut 
it it will hide that that whatever you cut out and then you can objectify hidden which makes that whole thing as an object and i was like damn this is awesome and people were doing like crazy hard surface stuff with it but i was like why don't we have voxide on every brush and i just mentioned this to him and they introduced this new thing where like you can let's say you have a sphere you can carve into sphere but you actually almost like have carved with history because then you can bring back some of it Mm. And not only on surface, but like you can make deep, deep cuts and bring back some of that. Actually, you you have a little bit of that of of that here as well. It's almost imagine like I think the latest one was it skin thickness something thickness something in ZBrush. Yeah, I you know, don't. Yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's called skin thickness, but yeah, I'm something like, like, I don't yeah. know. It's pretty cool. It's almost like you make a sculpture and you like those whatever thickness is, you can distort yeah. it and make it like yeah. clean looking like. But obviously that voxite is a more way more advanced version of it because just purely because it works with voxels and stuff. I yeah, just so. thought that was I thought that was I don't know. I thought that was faking. Am I wrong? Yeah. Like do you ever like thick the the thick skin when they introduced that? I was like, man, I, it has to come from process. I don't yeah. want to be like, hey, I sculpted it, and then okay, now I'm going to make it look like I actually made it yeah. out of clay. Sometimes, yeah. Well, again, people exploring stuff, so yeah, that's who true. knows like what tools they can use to come up with. Like you know, in ZBrush, especially some tools were never meant to be used in the way they ended up yeah. being used. You know, so totally. That's, yeah, I remember uh, Vitaly Bulgarov. Like yeah. he used the Move brush with AccuCurve. Yeah, we were in this meeting in Nomen and. It was me, Ofer, and Jaime, and Vitaly, and Alex, and we were just, we were all just like, what? It does that? Like, that's amazing, you know, pulls out this nice fine point, and we're like, that's how he does it? Like, okay, great. Ofer, <laughs> wish you would have told me that. Yeah. Yeah. So this is rendered in um, Octane? Is it Octane standalone or, or something uh, else? No, I'm using it inside Blender, yeah. Oh, so, okay, great. But again, if you have a great, like, uh, any sort of GPU based render, you can, you will be able to render those. Ah, it's awesome. I love these, this, this one's like everything. Yeah. So basically this is a perfect example, how it's very different from ZBrush. So the way I did the hand, I actually drew them. So you like, there's this brush, which reacts to like, you, you see the plane and it's basically screen space oriented. Mm -hmm. And you just rotate it. And because I have a drawing background, it's easier for me just to do this marks like this. So instead of like, I don't know how, I even don't know how you would do this in ZBrush, maybe like these spheres and then voxelize and then sculpt or take a chunk and then use different brushes. But here yeah. you literally draw and you get gesture much better, you know? And again, uh, it's in a way like, uh, I'm always kind of, I'm a strong believer in gesture. You know, if you get the gesture right, uh, the rest is just a matter of time. You know, you can definitely like uppress this and make it look like a real hand, but that's obviously not the point. Yeah. yeah I mean, I almost like, I wouldn't care about a hand. Like this is actually what I care about. Like, this is the fun, like, you know, is, so this brush is how you get these, the blockiness. Yeah. 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 And yeah. in a way, the way you draw, you can subtract as well. Like, for example, let's see, you see the knuckles. So mm -hmm. it's basically, it was one stroke and the, the fist uh, bumps uh, in order to kind of emphasize them, you 
you carve in put a bit of lighter pressure so you almost like you make a stroke and you make another stroke going up and that leaves this and it feels it's almost like you had like a tool to carve in the clay you know mm. which is very interesting yeah that's great it's so beautiful well you know you can see the construction and this is when you actually this is when you know somebody knows like that foundation is when that gesture really rocks thank you yeah. All right. So as I was going through and uh, checking this out, so it's not just <laughs> cinema or a 3D coat, but man, yes. this looks pretty awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about this, this project? Cause it's all lost city. Right. And then a mm. tiny bit of mega scans. Yeah. Well, again, this is the pack we released uh, at some, like, you know, as I mentioned, I, my dream with, within big medium small was always getting the best product possible out there mm -hmm. but obviously you solve that with two ways either you pay a lot of money to good artists but then mm -hmm. again like we are just startup and uh, first obviously we couldn't afford like the artists we adore and then obviously for a lot of artists making assets could be not such an appealing work so i felt like okay i want to work with the best artists out there how do i do that so i i came up with this collaboration where i invite them but not as an employer uh, employee but as a collaborator you know like partnering for a project and i would pick up the guys who know their stuff you know like again mm -hmm. because we this industry is so multi-diverse if you get the guy who does very well ruined so you get a guy who does very good robots you know uh, and obviously i started with friends of mine just to sort of we have a good established connection there so we picked up Jakob, who is a fantastic he, like whenever it comes to ruins it's just his name would pop up in my mind so i got in touch with him and i was like hey let's do something together so we worked for around six months or so, but and we ended up doing this Lost City pack where we pushed like the design and the kind of the look of it as much as we can, and it turned out really cool. And then obviously to test it out, we uh, we we did that in Unreal, uh, the the new one, Unreal Engine Five. And the funny thing, it, came, it just came out like we literally wrapped up the project and the new one came out, mm. and we, we so I I thought like this is the perfect way to test it out, and it worked really nice, you know. Unreal 5 is so powerful. It can handle so much geometry. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's crazy. I, we see it. It's just that program has actually, I don't know, not to mention they bought so much of our ecosystem, right? Like yeah. reality capture, art station, uh -huh. all that stuff. But uh, it's so inspiring um, what they're doing. It is the future, definitely. Especially like it was for a concept artist. Obviously, it has a, like game kind of side of it but for me what was interesting like again i do paint a lot but obviously i do a lot of 3d and when you're doing 3d the, the biggest downside is that you have to wait again like you can obviously you work in the grayscale sort of matcap world but that doesn't fully represent the cinematic frame you want to end up having uh yeah. as an as an end product so having like realistic render plus like volumetrics and atmosphere in the frame is just precious and unreal does it perfectly because it does it all real time and obviously with new unreal 5 with nanite it also handles a lot of geometry back in the days you had to have like very low poly geo which doesn't obviously look as realistic but now yeah. with this new one it's just yeah fantastic it's crazy so, yeah. and not as much i mean i know people are still baking lights and stuff like that but man that Oh, I used yeah. to hate teaching that class and talking mm -hmm. to people about baking lights. It's yeah. such a, it, it such a need process. That anymore. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then, so I wanted to understand, um, I loved what you were doing here earlier. I know that's mm -hmm. a little bit of an older video if I remember yeah. right, but yeah. um, this quick texture and quick shape, this is yeah. uh, your guys' plugin, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Again, this, this is done with Alexander who is fantastic concept artist mm. slash like programming genius. So uh, it's basically also in a way gimmicks our approach in concept art, you know, like, because again, 3d, modeling tools they meant originally they were not designed for concept people and that's why a lot of workflows were just too much for us and we mm. wanted like a simplified version of everything so we started playing with the idea and then obviously alex knew the programming i had ideas so we came together and and just came up with this interesting tools where you can actually like like you seeing it here like you can pick up a texture and you can draw like wooden planks it's pretty much like what would you do as in photoshop you know but now you're doing that in in 3d world basically like oh, assigning textures, you know, instead of dealing mm -hmm. with nodes and connecting textures, you can just literally project and there's a menu. You can change the hue, the saturation and shit and all that stuff on uh, on the fly. So where do you construct? Do you construct this stuff in Blender and then send to um, Unreal? Or where, where's your primary like home or hub? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Design-wise, obviously, Blender right now is my prim prim primer tool mm -hmm. because it it it's very kind of user-friendly. It's very updated as well. Yeah. Uh, however, like it does have some a downside. It it gets very laggy in, uh, when you have bigger sets. And for example, mm. as a concept artist, sometimes I get to work like gigantic sets, right? And this is where like Unreal comes into play. You know, again, the transition right now is not seamless, but I'm just again I. I think it's pretty obvious. I'm always looking for like an opportunity and how I can use it uh, later on. I, I think like at yeah. some point they will build a seamless transition between those two, which basically mean would mean you can build your, your scene in, in Blender and just in one click send it to Unreal. Oh, so, man. Yeah. Yeah, that would be amazing. You'd have to transfer mm -hmm. your lighting, your rendering, but then there'd be any of the particle stuff too. So, mm -hmm. and yeah, and the animation. Uh, all right, so let me jump down a little bit more. Where was it here? So you said you're from the Soviet Union? Yeah, I was born in Tajikistan, which is ex-Soviet ah, Republic. Okay. Did you learn the Russian school of drawing or where, when did you no, pick up drawing? You, oh, man, uh, I, I have a pretty miserable, <laughs> actually, story. I We had civil war like uh, in the early 90s, so... And again, Soviet collapse when I was 11, I guess. Like, so mm. when, when that happened, everything went down. Uh, yeah. And then after like three years or four years later, we, the civil war broke out. So it was quite miserable. And again, we do like in Eastern countries, we didn't have any entertainment sector, you know, like anything related to design wasn't a job. It was just like a tiny sort of thing that people would do. But obviously comparing to Western culture where, you would have concept and design and ent entertainment industry. So again, it's uh, I only had inspiration. I, I I used to watch movies like uh, Terminator, Aliens, and I was like, damn, this is awesome. You know, I didn't know someone was actually designing those things. You know? Yeah. So later on, when I I, I was studying, uh, uh, I I I did study aerospace engineering, and this is where I I, I obviously I, I would have internet, and I saw this awesome digital work artwork, and then I figured out like some of these guys work on movies. So I started slowly picking up uh, the stuff 
you know, drawing, painting. I did a little bit of 3D, but it was, uh, I wasn't convinced that I had any talent. And it was back in the day that it used to be like 3DS Max to four or three, something very uh-huh. old. So I did struggle with those a lot. So that's why I decided to go to, uh, into 2D route. Uh, and yeah, that, that's, again, it took a lot of time, you know, I was just learning, painting, drawing, endless hours of that. <laughs> Yeah. Where did you, did you go to school there or did you eventually go to States or Europe? Or? No, no. I, I, for my, um, for my, uh, engineering stuff, I went to Turkey. That's where, uh, ah. I was studying. Yeah. Yeah. I did my study there. Uh, and then I, I had to go back to Tajikistan. This is where I started actively like getting interested in concept art and all that stuff. So it's just practicing yeah. from home after work do you do your regular job and then you come home and you practice again so i actually got a little bit of formal art education there was this uh the art department school from conceptart.org but uh it was very i was there for just for a year and then i i actually got hired so i had to to leave a a little bit earlier so Mm. i guess yeah so if i would say if i had any formal education that was this one year at the art department and it so, was all remotely, so I was just no. doing it online. Yeah. Yeah. So many of us, like, um, you know, from that from that time, are self educated, you yeah. know, to to a large extent. So I was just telling the students earlier about it, um, Andre Wallen, and yeah. I had this interview with him, and he talked about how when he learned, he basically took one Dylan Cole DVD. He studied that one DVD for an entire year, nothing else. Right. So I love to tell the students that, and you know, so I'm like, don't go chasing six classes. Like this dude has this career because he did one thing. Yeah. You know, so what, what did, what did you study? How do you arrange study? Or at least, you know, you did back then. If somebody is listening now and thinking like, you know, um, because a lot of us get tired after work. Yeah, well, it's funny enough that you bring up Andrew 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 Wallen because I work yeah. with him right now, and he ah. knows that like he was the reason I got my first job because like ah he we we used to know each other. We were not even friends; we just would know each other fine. And he got mm-hmm. this gig offer he couldn't uh, work on, and he recommended me. That's how I got into <laughs> this business as well. Uh-huh. But I also like I've seen his work before online. Uh, the back in the days we used to have forums, you know. And it was so inspiring seeing his work. And I was just, at some point I was just copying him and then obviously I yeah. found my own way. But in terms of, uh, I think like because I did this, like on paper, it looks like a lot of wasted time in university studying engineering. But what that taught me is that you got to understand fundamentals, you know? So mm. once I realized I want to get into this stuff, I need to start from very basic stuff, you know? So I, uh, even though I were trying different things, I was trying different things. I, I was always concentrating on step-by-step sort of covering fundamentals. Like for example, if I don't know perspective, how do I fix that? Right. So I would just like, just like Andrew Wolin, I would just get some Gnomon videos. And yeah, I remember when I was in Tajikistan, I actually won five DVDs from Gnomon. There was this uh-huh. challenge. Yeah. I remember this. Yeah. It took them like, <laughs> five months to arrive or something because like you know back in the days there was no amazon or Uh at least in our country it wasn't anything like that so it just it took forever to arrive but yeah i was just watching those and trying out different because i again i didn't know exactly what i want to do i was kind of interested in everything so like i was trying some 3d stuff as well and um, finally ended up 
kind of main, primarily focusing on, on, on 2D stuff. Mm. Yeah, and 3D stuff back then, super low. Mm-hmm. It's just so much. Everything takes so much time. Yeah. Sorry. So much time. But it's all speeding up now, right? 3D coat, Blender. Yeah. yeah. And then um, there was one thing I really wanted to look at um, that you did a while ago. It's like three years ago. You were talking to people. And I mean, we have to talk about this. Um, <laughs> this, like this scene. Holy crap. Yeah. That's in the viewport. That's insane. Um, but you have three years ago, you were doing a video here. I probably put it um, over here. Yeah. Three years ago. Yeah. You were talking about the grease pencil. Yeah. This is, oh, they turned the music off. There we go. That's all 2D and 3D. Yes. Have you seen people like, have they embraced this? Do they even understand this? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of artists would come up with like really cool stuff, uh, cool way to use it. It's basically mm. again, so one of the things that I realized is a lot of like, especially the artists who are getting into like making a transition from 2D to 3D or vice versa, they are kind of abandoning completely their own skill set, which yeah. I kind of felt really bad about doing. You know, it was it wasn't just it wasn't because I was smart or anything like that. I just felt like, damn, I, I spent so much time doing 2D stuff. Now I have to just re- relearn and come up with a completely different workflow. So I've been doing this transition where I've been bringing in some of my 2d background you know and for example in blender you have this grease pencil where you can draw it's all planar but then you can offset it it takes a little bit of time but once you do that like let's say for cars it's perfect because you can draw like front view side mm-hmm. view offset it and it gives you a very nice representation like almost like a 3d wire wireframe or mm-hmm. which gives you perspective for free or let's say you want to do like helicopter or something like that but then obviously i kind of expanded this idea beyond like just doing buildings and stuff like that so Again, you could possibly question is why would you wouldn't do it with 3D? Because like to get 3D of this complexity, it takes a lot of time. It's just like that clay shader, you know, like being a sketch gives you an impression of being detailed rather than being actually detailed, you know? Yeah. So yeah, and that, that's how like I kind of like play with it. Obviously, like these days I don't use grease pencil that much because um, most of the only kind of the, the biggest downside of it is that it's still planar. You draw on a plane and then you offset the, the, the strokes. Mm. Or these days, if I want to do something like this, I would just use VR where you actually draw in 3D space, you know? And uh, But again, the principle was there and it, uh, it kind of really nicely illustrates how you would approach stuff like this. Yeah. And uh, I saw gravity pencil. No, what was it? Gravity sketch? Gravity sketches. Yeah. And uh, medium, right? Yes, both of them are really cool. You still they're, use? Yeah, they're very different. Again, Gravity Sketch is more like drawing in space. Uh, and it's almost, it's grease pencil, but basically in space, right? Mm-hmm. In, in 3D space. Uh, Medium is sculpting. It's like 3D code in space. That's why like yeah. four years ago, I begged 3D, go, 3D code guys to make a VR version of their tool. But for some reason, they had some other priorities. Maybe it will happen one day, you know, because they have mm. the technology, you know, they have the voxel engine. Right. Uh, obviously, it's not very straightforward to make a VR version of it, but it was. It would be interesting to see if, like, you can use 3D code, but in VR, I think it would be, like, very interesting. Yeah, I think that would, uh, that would be medium. I tried medium, but I just couldn't get my head around it. And I keep trying because I believe in Geo so much, and you see Geo's work, and, and it's yeah. like... All right, it's not it's not 
medium. It's me. Like, obviously I'm failing because <laughs> I see geo and it's like, yeah. that's pretty sweet stuff. Um, but I'm excited about what he's working on now too, with, uh, with Adobe and, and mm-hmm. now the modeling and yeah, you know, yeah. we'll see where all that goes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we have to talk about this. <laughs> That's viewport. Uh, I think it is. Yes, it is. EV, yes. Maybe I, I don't remember exactly. This could be a render actually, but you, you, you get, you can get very close renders in viewport as well. Yeah. This is crazy. Yeah. I mean, Again, you know, that's what makes Blender very, very appealing. They have this EV, which is like real-time engine inside 3D software. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just gives you so much uh, information, you know, like especially working as an artist who kind of, whose output is, is a final illustration. Seeing what you get and in the early stages is very precious, you know. And this is where yes. you can cut corners, basically. You know, a lot of times, that's why I specifically... I don't like sculpting in a gray kind of matcap because it forces me to over detail most of the time stuff, which I half of it mm. I don't see once I apply the texture. And that's actually a very cool feature in 3D Code as well. 3D Code actually supports BPR textures in the viewport as you sculpt. So wow. not just matcaps, you can actually throw in like specularity and uh, uh, basically have roughness and, and normal map on top mm. of your sculpt, which kind of like lets you. Uh, concentrate on the main sort of ideas rather than over detail. Like for example, in and in in this case as well, like obviously this is a big, medium, small asset. But let's say if I meant to do something like this as a concept artist, making it in grayscale shape, like matte cap or solid color, could be just waste of a lot of energy because then you're over detailing yeah. certain things. But having a texture and a lighting pass on top of it kind of gives you a very nice idea where you can cut corners and mm. in our job it's all about cutting corners because you know again when being not modelers or like assets kind of creator we we need to make sure it works and within an image and the rest whatever wherever we can cut corners basically that makes a lot of sense especially with wood because yeah you know you see it in gray you're looking to do the grain mm-hmm. but i mean that thickness on that is so small a texture is literally all you need mm-hmm that's a that's a great example. So, this begs the question. So it's cinema. It's a it's a Blender. It's yep. Eevee. Yeah. Um. So I was looking at this and I'm like, all right. I know you know Unreal is one of my big intellectual investments, and um, so now I need another 3D package. Yeah. Beeple managed to make a hundred million dollars on Cinema <laughs> 4D. Yeah. And uh, Blender Guru's done well on Blender, but man, you know, like, which is the piece of software to invest in? I don't yeah. know. You know, so are you like, you're just in Blender and you like Blender? Has Cinema 4D uh, got any advantage that you're looking at? Uh, I actually, the only one that I never like tried, I, I mean, I opened Cinema 4D a couple of times, but it, yeah, I wouldn't call it trying out. Mm-hmm. I don't know much about it. It's a cool software. Uh, like if some of my colleagues I used to work with, they, they use it. But again, you know, I think it's probably, again, <laughs> me having a Soviet-minded background, I try not to be too attached to software mm. uh, because I also think if there would be an objective, obviously, reason, I think like whenever you, unfortunately, I, I might be wrong, but a lot of times any kind of software or any kind of thing becomes like a cult, you know, people start. Yeah. Oh yeah. And again, 
cult is a cult. Like I respect people's opinions, but it becomes comes to the point where you be, stop being objective, you know, like and you people stop bringing up problems which potentially a software has, right? Like for example, that's why like whenever I'm working in something, I'm, I try to stay open minded in terms of if something is not working I, uh, and there's another tool that does it better, I will try it out. You know, I, it doesn't matter if I use this like a, a program for 10 or 20 years. If this, another tool does it slightly better, I would use it, you know? So for now, like Blender has everything I need. However, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean like I'm, I'm not willing to try out different things. And in your case, I would recommend you trying out both. Obviously, I, I understand with, especially with getting... Once you're getting older, you don't have much time to play with those. But again, as in in nutshell, it's it's all about the, the fundamentals. If you know the kind of core principles of rendering and lighting and stuff like that, yeah. all, all of them they have <laughs> nice things. Yeah, I've been in Cinema 4D um, a little bit now, and it is you know you just have to understand you know like for example an area light. Area light is like the ideal light. You just got to adjust your size, you know? So those kinds of foundations, you can understand it and how much you need your HDRI and then how those can lead you astray sometimes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but this is such a beautiful piece. Thank you. It's it's so neat to see this like quality level um, done on this too. And, um, you know, not just, you know, pieces that are small and maybe some textures here and there, but like, you know, a whole collection. This has been really great. Thank you very much. Um, all right. So uh, Quick Shape is another thing I saw uh, yep. you working on. And then mm-hmm. I saw I saw you working on that and I saw this. And then mm-hmm. I was like, hey, how, how does this translate to this? <laughs> you just literally draw those like little chunks and then yeah. you, you can. So the, the thing with Quick Shape uh, is basically some of these ideas were borrowed from 3D code where you you can cut geometry uh, like again, I don't want to bring up this stuff, especially on your channel. But this this one common thing that people ask about ZBrush and always uh, keep yeah. getting no. Like they they keep asking, like, can you make a hole like in the center of the object? And they say, no. uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, you can cut corners, you know, but the hole is a little bit of different. And I understand because it's a surface sort of uh, engine they have. But in 3D code, you can make cut of any shape. The only downside, the voxel sort of uh, objects, they are very heavy. So I was thinking, damn, it would be really cool if we can have something like that, but in Blender, uh, because in Blender, we can keep everything low poly. And yeah, with Alex, we did this lasso cut tool, which is basically like you cut, like you can cut or you can generate an object as well just by dragging a lasso sort of shape. And basically, this is I, I would look at how wooden chips look like, and I would just draw different shapes and then cut out some of it. And then uh, also, you can separate it from you can cut and then you can cut and separate. And the combination of those gives you like a bunch of those, and then you just array them and then just move them around and boom, it's done. Yeah, yeah. that's great. I love how you title that learning Houdini. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but also with quick texture, you can actually have textures on it. So basically, instead ah. of cutting it, so the idea here was I wasn't only cutting just random shapes. I would see uh-huh. a, a wood texture and would cut on the wood texture. And the way quick shapes works, it uh, quick texture works. It once you make a cut, it maps the texture straight on that cut 
the part that you just cut out. So mm-hmm. in a way, you don't need to do a texture pass later on, which was also very interesting. That is interesting. So that's almost like taking the environment artist's trim sheet thing and you're, you're just yeah. cutting out your trim sheet and then instant converting to a model. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sort of. Yes. Okay. There's a process. Sort of. Yeah. That's great. And then the UVs. So well, what just, are you doing for UVs? Well, it's just automatically generates UVs. Like as you uh-huh. go, it just creates like a box projection. So, yeah. okay. Makes I mean, sense. with wood, with wood, it was simpler because you wood is so random so yes yeah. even if the cuts some of the kind of chips they don't match the actual texture doesn't 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 matter from from this distance and i really i thank you so much for being game for me to go through this twitter because you know <laughs> when i was sitting down i was trying to think like you know um what are we going to talk about where is it and i mean the you have so many threads going on <laughs> it's so so incredibly awesome and uh, i really appreciate you taking the time no man it's just pleasure you know sharing this stuff because again for me it's not like someone is forcing me to learn all this stuff or come up with these ideas i'm just curious you know and i every time i work on a project i go like what is the best way i can do this because again my mind works in terms of not speed like it's not like i want to make everything super quick like i actually think like the the more experience i get the slower i get in terms as Mm -hmm. as i work it's just what I want to make sure I have the a full control over art directing my stuff. For example, mm. let's say if I want wood to be breaking in certain way, yes, you can sculpt it, but then you probably wouldn't have every individual piece so you can move it and art direct it as you want. And obviously you can go Houdini, which I made a joke about, but then I don't know. I know Houdini a little bit, but I can't like simulate any sort of that kind of stuff. So I thought, okay, what's the best way to do that? So just manually cut it out and then have every individual piece and then you can offset them. So that was the idea. And in general, that's how I approach things. You know, it's not about the actual speed. Like this sculpture probably took me like three, four days. But what I enjoyed during the process that I was able to have a full control over the ideas I had in mind. Like, let's see if I want the eyelids to look not like every individual sort of uh, or eyelashes, not like every individual hair, but I want them to look like, like a block of clay. How do I do right. it? And so I was trying to come up with those things. And obviously with voxels, it, it was a little bit easier, I would say, to do that. That's great. So what's in what's uh, what's in store for you in the future? Um, you've got <laughs> like all these threads. You got the studio, you got the freelance, you got the job. Yeah. Well, I I, uh, I think I will try NFTs at some point. Uh, mm. I think it's a very interesting market and a very interesting thing to do in in a way i i did not get into it there were two reasons i know it's a full-time job <laughs> even though people might sound like oh i don't do anything and I, I earn a lot of money it's still a lot of work to to be done to be successful but also yeah. i felt i still don't have my own kind of best ideas belonging mm. to my to me you know because so far and i'm lucky to be doing that i'm not complaining there but a lot of my best ideas i I would give to clients you know so that's why like i'm just waiting for a moment where i would have some it doesn't necessarily need to be like me not doing any other jobs but i would love to find my own kind of best i time for my own best ideas and then once i do that i'll probably uh go into nft market but let's see how it goes there's no rush i'm not yeah 
Yeah, that's actually that's exa- I'm facing the exact same thing because I'm looking at this and I'm yeah. and um, you know it's like for the first time there's actually a path. You know, I don't know which path, but you know, there's a path where you can generate money just from your artwork. Yeah, just that one idea, and it's not work for hire, right? Yeah. And when I was um, kind of starting all this and getting myself together, I, you know, there was just two paths. There was uh, work for hire or teach. Yeah. And I tell people kind of classes were my form of an NFT, you know, it's like I yeah. could build a class, generate revenue, support myself and, and be in a community that I loved. Mm-hmm. And now we're looking at this and now I have the, we, we all have this option of making, you know, uh, some element of our living from it. Yep. But then I'm thinking like, well, shit, what the hell am I supposed to say? Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, what's my art? I don't, it's been so long. I've yeah. been devoted to one or two of these masters. I don't know what's me anymore. Yeah. Well, I guess that's the dilemma I, I have. Um, and again, I'm, I'm not in rush in any way. So if mm. NFTs are going to stay there for some time. Yeah, totally. So I'll just do my thing. And again, I, I, again, obviously there's, there's one thing I, I, I didn't know about NFTs. And I think I have this problem because I'm literally coming from ex-Soviet Union. It's the collectibles, right? Like I couldn't wrap yeah. my head around how people would pay money for like a Pokemon, like pixelated picture, right? Or something mm-hmm. like that. But I, again, I'm learning. It's interesting. Yeah, and me too. Uh, it's just a different mindset. But obviously in Soviet Union, we didn't have any collectibles, you know? That's why like I have this funny story. I used to work for Wizards of Coast uh, doing Magic huh? Gathering cards. And I love the job. I love the world, but I was never into the game itself. And because I was working on that, they would send me all the kind of uh, cards that would come out after I stopped working with them. And I would pile them up on top of my bookshelf at, uh, uh, back at home. And then one, one day, my uh, concept artist friends came over and they were, I was showing my studio and one of them was, well, what are those boxes about? And I was like, oh man, those are like magic gathering cards. And they were looking at the, apparently they were like those rare ones and they were like, Oh my God, these are awesome. Yeah. And I was like, guys, you can take them all. I don't need them. They were like, are you crazy? Like, uh, well, once they said that I left a little bit to myself, just in case maybe I can sell them afterwards, but yeah, it's just, yeah, it, it was something I definitely didn't have, you know, and um, I, this is something different, uh, interesting for me it was something interesting for me to realize that there's also this collectible stuff. But again, I uh, NFTs, it might look like an easy money for some people, but it's a lot of hard work, you know, and a lot of artists doing good. Like I, I, I've known Mike Maple uh, for a long time, even before he became wealthy and famous, right? Uh, yeah. He was such a hardworking person and he's still, so it's well done, I would say. I, I tried to do every days. Yeah. I got like four days. <laughs> it's like, hard. you know, I mean, I could do art every day, but you know, he doesn't just do art every day. He's actually at a point now where it's like the art is a statement. Like he has yeah. something to say. Yeah. So, you know, um, do you have something to say every day and can you have a piece that says it Yeah. every day like that? Uh, wow. That's hard. That, I mean, for it somebody to do that, that's yeah. yeah. All right, my friend. It, well, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was a pleasure talking to you. Obviously, <clears throat> again, I've been following your work for a long time. It's, it was nice to meet you in person. <laughs> yeah, same here. All right. Fantastic. Well, oh. take care. And um, 
I'm probably going to pick your brain offline a little bit more on 3D Coke because, you know, I'm looking at this and I'm like, this is like right up my alley. <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's do it. <laughs> well, whenever you have time, we can just jump on a Zoom call or something. I can show you some stuff. All right. That's awesome. awesome. Well, take care of yourself. Thanks for meeting. You too. Thank you very much, Ryan. Take care. All right. Bye. See you. All right. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this. And I want to ask just two things of you. Number one, make sure to leave a comment or rank this wherever you are listening to it on Apple, uh, Stitcher, Spotify. Really makes a difference in helping us get the word out about this industry and about what we do. Number two, make sure you visit vertexschool.com to learn more about what programs we offer in this area as a creative and for artists who are looking to jumpstart their career and discover a new industry. Again, thank you so much for listening. We're accepting applications right now, so I look forward to hearing from you soon.